Hey, welcome to Church Alive's podcast. We hope this message is something fresh, real, and powerful for your life. Thanks for joining in and enjoy the message. Well, good to see you in the house of God. We're going to pray and just believe that wherever you are upon the journey of life, whatever stage you are on relationships, that God will bless you all, God will speak to your life. If you're married, man, I believe God's got a word for you. If you're single, dating, complicated, whatever it might be, I'm praying that God's got a word for you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I just thank you, every man, every woman within the sound of my voice. I pray in Jesus' name. Speak to your sons today. Speak to your daughters today. God, encourage one. Open eyes, I pray. Open ears, I pray, to your voice. I I break the power of the enemy of their life. In Jesus' name, every assignment that would be against them. Father, bless your people now, I pray. Open ears and eyes to the power of your word, to the love of God and the principles of his word. Help us rightly, rightly, evaluate our lives, our relationships, so that there might be health and strength, I pray. The mighty name of Jesus. Come on, one more time. Can we give Jesus a hand? Come on, let's lift him up in the house of God. Slap your neighbor, grab your seat, tell him what's love got to do with it. Some of you enjoy that slap moment, don't you? Some of you just enjoy it. You're just like, yes, I will. Ugh. Some of you married people are like, yes, pastor gave me permission. <laughs> Last week we talked about the family tree, the relational tree of your life. I barely meet someone that didn't wish that their relational tree was perhaps healthier. Their family tree wasn't stronger. Their family tree wasn't more satisfied and and in an amazing place. It's an amazing thing to grow up in a strong, strong family. However, we've also discovered and found out that just saying that I'm going to do it different than dad, just saying that I'm going to do it different than mom doesn't actually fix it. You see, you and I have, often we spend a lot of time looking at the fruit but we don't look at the soil. If you have the exact same soil as mom, exact same soil as dad, if you allow bitterness and resentment and lack of boundaries and and just your own priorities to get in the soil of your mind and your heart, how many of you know that you will actually produce the exact same fruit? Now, some of you might have come from a family and it's amazing sweet fruit. And others of you would look and go, there was some good stuff, but there was some bruised fruit. And others of you would literally go, my goodness, I... My fruit, my tree had no fruit on the tree. I remember going to Chipotle a couple of, uh, is it Chipotle or Chipotle? I, I, I still, I don't know why I can't say it. Um, I'm, I'm Spanish challenged. Um, anyway, that place you go where you know. And uh, I was there recently and I was there with a friend and one of the servers had a, like a Jesus tattoo on his arm. And my friend who's a talkative guy was like, hey man, so what church do you go to? And the guy kind of looked at him surprised. He's like, oh yeah, that's right. The Jesus tattoo on, on my arm. He was like, oh man, that's just my faith. Which meant that it was, it was skin deep, but it wasn't heart deep. It was skin deep, and so often what, what is the reality of you and me, if we're not careful, is our faith will be maybe even tattooed on you. You got a cross on your back or your shoulder or your forearm. You put Jesus on there, but I promise you this, it'll be a whole lot better if you put him on your heart 
than if you put him on your skin. You can put him on your skin. That's cool. If it reminds you, I wear this dog tag. It's part of our Transform team. It reminds me I'm to be a Luke 2.52 man. But if it doesn't get in my heart, how many know that doesn't do me any good? So I want to talk to you today. I want to go deeper than just a few relational tips. I want to talk to you about your relationship, the ship that you are on, whether you're in a rowboat, do a little this action with maybe another person, or you're on a jet ski and you're tearing up the Hudson, um, whether you're in a, a cruise line living the good life, or maybe you're on a surfboard all by yourself. Recently, I was surfing actually in Australia, which sounds cooler than it was. This is my surfboard. I didn't grow up surfing, actually. Um, my wife bought me a surfboard at the age of 30, I think, before that. I, I know how to read waves well. I can swim good. But anyway, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a, a, a slightly better than a beginner surfer. That's where I am, okay? So she bought me a surfboard 11 years ago, but with kids and all that kind of stuff. How many know that when you're a parent and you got kids, there's so much nonsense you have to bring with you just to go to the beach, like the chairs and the floaties and, 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 and extra things and the kiosk and all this stuff. And then at the end, I'm like, yeah, should I? Okay, an esky, is it a cooler? There we go, cooler, all right, you're with me, okay? We call in Australia a cooler an esky. I don't know why, we just do, okay? What's a kiosk? That's another thing, all together. <laughs> and so who has time to do all of that and then remember a surfboard when you've got a one-year-old who's just like eating sand? And so I love being a dad, but they're... Uh, this son is a price to pay. So anyway, I was, I was surfing recently in Australia and it wasn't my board. This is a pretty long board. It's about seven foot ten. And I, was, and, I, and I hired a board for a week that was like six foot one, which is a lot harder to surf on. And so anyway, I'm getting out there and I'm trying to get on. I'm trying to, I'm paddling and I'm trying to catch a wave. And I'm fairly sporty. I promise you surfing is one of the most humbling sports around. You might snowboard in here. Yeah, you're on a mountain for seven minutes, okay? Surfing, you're on a, you're on a wave for one second if, if you don't handle it well. So anyway, I was trying to surf and it wasn't working. My relationship was not working. Anyway, I weirdly got stuck in this one area where you ever been surfing or, or maybe on a bodyboard or just swimming and all of a sudden this one section's really deep and then the waves basically stop kind of working there and it was like this weird dead zone. Um, I got stuck in the dead zone. I was on my surfboard and I couldn't get out of this dead zone. I was looking about 100 meters away and there was this other surface and they were having a good time and they were surfing. I was stuck in the dead zone. And some of you relationally feel like you're stuck in the dead zone. You're not going anywhere. You're kind of paddling. It's a lot of effort, but you're not moving anywhere. And it's discouraging. But I would say this to you. Sometimes the best thing you can do is humbly paddle your back, but back to the shore, 
and realize you're not that good. Relationally speaking, some of the best moments of your life, you go, I thought I was going to be amazing at relationships, and you realize you're not. Because here's why that's good news. It's good news because if once you realize you're not that good, you'll have an attitude of learning. You'll sit in the seat of the student. We all need to do that sometimes, don't we? We need to sit in the seat of the student. Messing with my iPad, it's messing with me. Let's go into the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You'll have known this at any wedding, even if you're not a faith person. This is what we read at weddings. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this, Love is patient. 13 verse 4, guys, not, not verse 11, verse 4. Love is patient. Stop right there. Who's patient? <laughs> this is actually a very discouraging scripture. I just want to let you know. We're going to read it, but you're going to get discouraged. Why? Because you realize you're like, wait, I, I'm not. None of you are encouraged by this at all. <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. The reality of the cross of Jesus Christ is that the cross doesn't just fix my relationship with God, my vertical relationship with God. It should affect my horizontal relationship with people, right? My relationship, my faith, your faith, if I'm walking with Jesus, it'll not just fix my relationship with God, it'll fix my relationship with people. And you've got to understand that you will run out of love sometimes. Are you with me? Right? When you first are dating someone, you've got dating goggles on, you don't realize that often you will run out of love. Sometimes you're not in love. You're in busyness. Sometimes if you're not, you're not in love, you're just in, you're in tired zone. Sometimes you're not in love, you're just in frustration. And so you and I must deal with these moments. Let me read now verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Watch this now. But when I became a man, he said, I put childish, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Let me talk to you along this topic today, week two, putting the child away. If you're taking notes, putting the child away away. My kids recently were fighting about something. They were squabbling. They were fighting and so forth. Sometimes we have amazing kids, but Ben and Rachel definitely fight more than Hope and anyone else, okay? I think they're very close together. They're two and a half years older. They're almost like Shelly's pretty tall for her age. And, and so I just think there's this natural competition with them. And so they were fighting and I literally said, stop it. You're acting like children. And my son, who's pretty quick with his wit, he looks back at me and goes, we are kids, Dad. And I'm like, that's right, you are. <sighs> You're acting like children. Children blame everyone else, don't they? Children fail to take responsibility for what they did. Children need to learn how to put off 
immediate gratification. I asked my son the other day, son, can you do the dishwasher? And he was like, what's Rachel doing? I don't care if she's picking a boogers. Um, I asked you to do a certain thing, right? For some reason, with, with a, a boy and a girl, they're always wondering what the other one's doing. What are they doing? Are they doing a chore? Did you get a Slurpee with them? That's not fair. They had chocolate ice cream. I need chocolate ice cream. And it's always this competition on is it fair? It's a sign of a bad marriage. It's a sign of a bad relationship because you're trying to do 50-50 instead of 100-100. And if you give 60 and then you're worried the other one's going to give 20 or 40. And guess what? You've got to give 100 and 100. And here's the thing. Even if your spouse is giving 10% or 20%, you're still going to give 100. And that's where you actually need God. You literally go, God, they're giving 20%. And I... I don't think it's fair. I want my Slurpee. And the Lord's like, I'm going to mature you by acting like a man. How many of you got beat when you were young? Anyone just put up your hands? But beat. Remember this guy? I brought it. I remember this one. Here's the funny thing, in my house when we were like 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, we had names on spoons. I had my spoon, my sister had her spoon, and we had crying faces. We, 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 we draw little smiley, not smiley faces, frowny faces, and there were tears. Here's the funny thing, when, when Julia was about to get smacked, I would go get the spoon. I'd be like, right, let's do it. Let's go, mom, teach her, teach her. Let's go, teach her a lesson. And when I was going to get smacked, my sister, here's his spoon. <laughs> Children, why do I tell that story? You've got to come to the point where you put off the child. I've got to put off the child. How do I do that? I want to give you two key words today that I think will hopefully lay a foundation or be insightful or be at least a teaching moment for every single one of us so that our mind and our characters are shaped by God's Word. Number one is responsibility. If you're going to put off the child, you have to put away um, a lack of responsibility and you have to take responsibility. And the second word I want to give you is this, courage. Responsibility and courage. Responsibility is the attitude of the mature. It's the attitude of the emotionally mature. When I'm a kid, I throw up, I poo my pants, uh, my parents pay my bills, I take responsibility for nothing, and as they mature me, what do they do? They give me more, more responsibility. I've actually found that God is a God who loves to give us responsibility. God loves to give you responsibility so that He can test you, but over time, give you more responsibility. Why He wants you to become a responsible man or woman, right? And He has given you and me responsibilities. Responsibility owns up. Responsibility takes ownership. How many of you like to blame? Like to do the push-off, right? Something happens, you're like... That's someone else's fault. That's not a cultural thing. That's literally a humanity thing. 
Since Adam and Eve fell in the garden, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent, and Adam eventually blamed God. Your natural nature blames everyone else. But the moment you say, it's my fault, I take responsibility, you move towards emotional health. The moment, listen, how many of you need to take responsibility for your finances? Right? You need to take responsibility for your health. You need to take responsibility for your relationships. When you take responsibility, you say it's my fault. Even if it's 10% your fault. But let's be honest, it's probably more. <laughs> courage. Some of you need to say courage. Some of you need courage to say no to the wrong person. So, you, so that you can say yes to the right person. Some of you may need courage in a marriage, in a relationship to talk about some issues that you don't want to talk about. How many of you are natural avoiders? Come on, put up your hand. All the avoiders. Yep. Some of you are avoiding. Just put up your hand right now. I'm a natural avoider. I hate confrontation. I'd rather sweep it under the rug. Let's just, I don't know why the Lord gave me a church. Why? <laughs> because like, church, you have, I'm going to take responsibility. Some of you are still tracking. Okay. And so I started thinking about relationships and God, help me help you people. Help me help your sons and daughters, whether they're married or single or dating or maybe they're living together. Maybe they've never experienced Jesus. Maybe they've never heard the preaching of the word. Wherever they are, and I began to think about what would I say to my son if he was in the age of 18 to about 30 and he was single and he hadn't found the right person yet and he seemed to be a bit stuck. He was stuck in the dead zone of his relationship and he was just kind of paddling. What would I say to that person? What would I say to my son? I think I'd say this to my son. If you're single, this is the time to take notes. I'm serious. <laughs> and if you're married, trust me, this is gonna hit you anyway. If he was single, I'd say this, son. Son, get your money together. I really would, like practically, like get your money together, dress decent, don't just be sloppy. How many of you know that girls actually pay attention to dress? Yeah. They actually do because they see it as a sign of success. Uh, stop here's what I told my son, stop spending all your time on just hobbies. Guys, we can be the worst at this, can't we? They'll know every stat about basketball or UFC or video games. No, God wants you to be a well-rounded person because it is rare that you find a girl who's like all about Fortnite. <laughs> so what's your hobbies, Fortnite? Oh, this is going to go well. I would tell my son, deal with your issues. Deal with issues of fear. You know, one of the things about a, a, a not a faith culture is you go to a bar, you have 12 drinks. You're not afraid to ask out anyone. Why? Because you've got beer goggles on. One of the things that you've got to understand about a healthy faith culture is the men actually have to embrace actual courage, not just drinking courage. And so I would tell him to deal with the fear, deal with control. Someone say control. I have found that for some reason, sometimes when men get into a relationship or a marriage, they bring control with them. Pr trust me, if you just love your wife and, and want her to flourish, that'll be the best heart attitude you can have. 
I've met men over the years and leading a church. I've met them. They get married and then the girl wants to go out and have a good time with her ladies. And he's like, no, 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 you're married now. You can't do any of that. And I'm like, dude, don't do that. Why? Because she needs to go out and have a good time. Happy wife, happy life. Like she'll come on back and give you a good time. <laughs> right? But if she doesn't want to see you anymore, people need a break. Deal with your anger issues. If you're a single guy, hey, heck, if you're a married guy, deal with your anger issues. Sometimes the disappointments in your life. Anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Deal with your lust issues. Deal with your lust issues. The, the, the sooner you clean up lust issues, the healthier you will be. Watch what you watch. Real simple. My mom, years ago, we would be 14, 15, 16 in that kind of age group. My mom was a, literally a mighty woman of faith. There would come a TV show on and she was like, oh, we're switching channels. You get into kind of a sex scene kind of moment. Or they'd fast forward, which sometimes makes it worse. And um, <laughs> it was slow and now it's fast. And, and, um, but I remember as a 14, 15, 16-year-old person, I remember... I, I, here's what I'd say to my mom. I'd like, Mom, you're so old-fashioned. How many ever thought that about your parents? You're so old-fashioned. What in the world, Mom? Why are you doing that? And, um, but I thank God now that Mom taught me that that was inappropriate yeah. because that has blessed my world to such a great extent. See, See, if you're a teenager in here, you don't realize this, that the sex scenes you watch when you're 16, you can still remember when you're 40. That's how powerful sex images are. 24 years, like 20 years later, you can still remember a movie you watched? What? Sex isn't just physical. Sex is spiritual. Sex is emotional. Sex is soulish. Are you with me? To the ladies, if, if I had a... If I had a daughter that was in that 18 to, I don't know, 30 age, and maybe she was single, maybe she was dating someone, um, I, w- I would say something like this, dress attractively, not seductively. Yes. Um, you can dress beautiful ladies without bearing at all. Yes. Why would I say that? Um, because we live in a culture, now here, I understand the tension when I say this. Okay, I understand the tension that many of you have not grown up in a Christian home or maybe have not embraced biblical values yet and so forth. And you're checking out church and checking out faith and you're thinking to yourself, wait, I can't deal with that. I would actually say to every single one of you, you need to check out Jesus first and then his standard second. The reason I say that is because when God showed up to the nation of Israel, he said, I love you and I care for you. His next basically teaching was, I want to free you. After that, he says, now I'm going to pay the price for you so you can get out of Egypt. The first thing God did not do is come along and give them standards. The first thing God did was give them, I care for you. I love you. I want to free you. That's the first thing. And so God loves you, cares you, wants to free you and me from a culture that enslaves and ensnares. See, I can't allow the cultural values of the day to dictate what I say in church. There's a difference between the kingdom of America and the kingdom of God. And God 
loves his children. God cares for his children. God is all about his children, but then he gives them boundaries and standards that help their world. If I don't have boundaries and standards, I'll say this, you cannot have a love without boundaries. You can't have love without boundaries. Let me say this, if you were married to someone, would you want someone who shows self-control? See, what's funny is even as I preach about self-control, sometimes I feel the kick and the, and the kick backs. Like, don't tell me what to do, pastor. But I would say this, if you married someone, do you want someone to have self-control? Yeah. One, of the greatest, one of the greatest attributes of my wife is this, I've never had to worry about another guy. I really haven't. She's never shown me, like, never been flirting with other men and, oh, hi, how are you? <laughs> Why? Because there's been faithfulness over the years, right? And if you don't learn self-control, you'll have no control. If I don't learn self-control, I'll have no control. Are you with me? Someone say responsibility and courage. If you're married in here, I, my wife and I were having a discussion the other day and she was, we were talking about a certain couple and they've been married for years and years and years and she said, you know, they took their vows seriously. They're still together. And I had to kind of say, babe, to be honest, I don't know if they took their vows seriously. And that might sound weird because you're like, wait, wait a second. If I'm just together at the end of my life with my wife, but I can't stand her and we hate each other, how many know I didn't love her? And she didn't love me and we weren't kind to each other and we didn't forgive one another. See, the, the bond of marriage isn't just stay together. Just grit your teeth, baby, and stay together. Oh, we made it to the end. I hate you, but we made it, baby. That's not marriage. That's hell. No, no, no. Love increases if you do it right. It does. And sometimes for some of you, listen, there's been painful moments in relationship, painful moments in marriage. But if you forgive, here's the weird thing about forgiveness. You'll actually love more on the other side of forgiveness than you even did on your wedding day. I can honestly say I love my wife way more today than I did on my wedding day. So many people are focusing too much on the day and not the life. The day's good. The day's great. Have a party. Have a good time. It's not about the day. It's about the years. It's not about the first day of your marriage. It's about the last day of your marriage. Responsibility and courage. Responsibility. 1 Corinthians 13, hear this verse again. It says this, verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. One of the things I notice about my kids is that they always want candy. <laughs> like always. Hope you said to me, Daddy, can I have a lollipop? We haven't had breakfast. Okay, she wants a lollipop. And then the other day, she had a lollipop and someone else took her somewhere. Like, oh, I'm going to give you a donut. And then we came home and she had a lolly bag and someone else gave her a lolly, one of those big lollipops. I'm like, what is going on with my kids? <laughs> they want candy. But we have to teach them delayed gratification. Yeah. How many know your father loves you? The God of the universe loves you. 
His essence is love. Who He is is love. Everything about Him is love. Therefore, His instructions, His guidelines, His precepts, His principles are all based out of love. The enemy has done an incredible number on this on this, and he does it to all of us to say, listen, God doesn't love you. God wants to stop you from having fun. Recently, I was reading Time Magazine. I was flicking through some of the issues that have been going on in our culture, 2018, 2019, and I looked at, I typed in um, sexual allegations and so forth. 134 Listed CEOs, NFL players, Hollywood celebs, starting with Weinstein, Morgan Freeman, and many others whose names will never be the same again. And that was just last year. Out of the Me Too movement, you learnt this, that if you don't have self-control, you get out of control. If you don't embrace, if I don't embrace self-control, I will get out of control. God's love is for you. God is pro-sex. Let me say it again. God is, it got really quiet. God is pro-sex. Are you getting it? Okay, it's starting to click. I think, okay, some of you. Oh, it's sounding like I'm saying process. No, God is pro, P-R-O-O-S-E-X. Pro-sex. God is pro for, God is, okay, uh, let, me, let, me, let me backtrack. Let me read a scripture, hold on, let's go back to the Bible. Genesis 4 verse 1 says this, Adam made love to his wife Eve, in brackets, it doesn't say, and God was surprised. God was not up in heaven going, Gabriel, something's going on in the bushes over there. They're kissing. Wait a minute, the leaves are coming off. <laughs> Gabriel, cover your eyes, son. They've discovered something new. <laughs> no. God made sex. He's not surprised by sex. He, he wasn't up in the garden going, oh, that fits, that's weird. See, I, I remember chatting to someone, and years ago, their church, whenever it came to sex, it was always no. It was always no. It was always about the, the danger and the boundary of sex, but it really never celebrated it. So then on the honeymoon night, it's kind of like, okay, now we do it. And, and the person confessed to me, and I like, we were mortified. <laughs> well, actually, the guy wasn't at all, but she was. <laughs> She's like, I was mortified. Why? Because all I'd ever heard was no. And so a healthy view of sex is actually God is for it. God made it. God created it. That's a healthy view of sex. But the, 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 the fire of sex actually needs a fireplace. Doesn't it? The fire of sex needs a fireplace. If it doesn't have right boundaries around it, what you don't have, see, when you stare at fire, it's hot and, it, and, it, and it's attractive and it's warm and it heats the house. But if you don't have a fireplace or if you don't have rocks around it, you have a house fire. My son the other day, uh, there was a candle on and he, and he wanted to show his sisters 
He licks his fingers. He's like, Shelly, watch this. And he quickly just tweezed the little candle. But the problem was the little candle stick, the little thread. The, yes, thank you, the, the wick. And uh, the wick stuck to his finger. And then all of a sudden it starts burning and he got blisters and so forth from it. And most of us have been burnt a little bit, at least by sex. Most of us have some kind of scar that we could literally go, gosh, that hurt a bit. My nephew, a number of years ago when he was six, he was playing with fire in the attic, lit the fire, threw it in the waste paper basket. It started to light away. It's like, you know what, let's just walk away. The house burnt down. See, the power of sex is amazing. At the same time, it has this incredible ability to literally ruin people's lives. It has this amazing amazing gift from God and then it has this amazing ability to literally rock people's worlds, to let them lose control, to all kinds of different things. And, and most of us have been somewhat scarred or very scarred from relational wreckage. And God doesn't just want to point it out and say you're a bad person. No, God wants to forgive. God wants to heal. God wants to restore. Come on, say that with me. God wants to forgive. God wants to heal. And God wants to restore. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says this. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control control. Isn't it interesting that the same tide that brings you together, you might be out there paddling on your relationship and you're out there in your singleness and so forth and all of a sudden another surfer comes your way, a tide brings them. And isn't it funny that the same tide that will bring them is the same tide that will make them move away? See, they often say that dating, in dating the opposites attract and then in marriage opposites attack. The same tide that will bring you a certain way is sometimes the same tide that will take you away. And I want to say this to you and every single one of us. I pray that this is a message of hope, a message of grace, a message of healing to you. But here's the reality of relationships. You have to admit when there's holes in the boat. You have to admit when there's holes in the boat. How many of you want the blessing of God on your relationship? Say yes. Come on, how many of you want the blessing of God on your marriage, on your family? Say yes. yes. Every single one of us want this, but I found this. You've got to deal with the holes in the boat. You've got to deal with the holes in your ship. Otherwise, what happens is you're, you're asking for God's blessing, but it's, it's like my relationship is sinking. Why? Because of a lack of self-control. Let me say this to you today. I choose my actions, I don't choose the consequences of my actions. So, someone say freedom. freedom. Freedom we often believe is to do whatever you want to do. I'm free to do whatever I want to do. Are you sure? Let me ask that again. Are you free to do whatever you want to do? Rob a bank. You're free. Guess what? Can I, can, I, can I help you? You're free to rob a bank. But you're not free to choose the consequences. I was free to rob a bank, 
but now I'm in prison. I'm free to eat 30 donuts every morning. I'm free. I can go to Dunkin' Donuts and be customer of the month. You can go to Dunkin' Donuts and see my picture. There's Pastor Anthony. He's customer of the month because he gets 30 every morning. I am not free to choose the consequences of those actions. Does that make sense? We live in a culture that wants to say I'm free, but fails to think of the consequences. We've kicked God out of so many places of our life, and we say, God, I don't want that. We want instant gratification. And then later, we're going to look at the fruit and go, gosh, why don't I have the fruit I want? So I want to say this today, that every single one of us, if there's holes in the boat, you've got you to admit it. You've got to bring your boat, your relationship to the owner and say, God, would you fix the holes in the boat? Now, let me say this again. It doesn't mean staring at your boat and examining every section. To be really honest, you need to spend a lot more time thinking about Jesus a lot more time thinking on his word, because if you'll do that, if you'll stare, he will start to fix the holes in your relationship. He will start to, he, listen, if you're single in here, there might be decisions you've made and it feels like there's holes in your relationship. If you're dating and married in here, or maybe you're here today and you're living together and so forth, and there's holes in the relationship. There's no point saying, God, they're not there. Hear me now. There's no point ignoring the holes. There's no point. It's like a little three-year-old playing hide-and-seek with his daddy. Daddy, can you see me? I want to say this. God already knows. God needs you to know. I want you to admit it and then just bring it to him. I want to do something today that's a little bit different. I want to... I want to ask you this question, then I want to give you a challenge that's not a homework, it's a life assignment. You don't have to do it, but I honestly believe, I was, I was debating how I was going to do it, but here's what I wanted to do. Can I ask you this question? How do you move from harm to health? How do you move from harm to health? Show that question on the screen, please. How do you move from harm to health? Secondly, how do you embrace responsibility and courage? How do you do that? You've got to admit it. You have to admit it. I want to give you, real quick, a thought. A life assignment this week. Bible says, sorry, Luke chapter 22 Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 24, is the time when Jesus took communion, went to the Garden of Gethsemane, went to the cross, and then went to the resurrection. It is the most important three days of our faith. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And some of you can't see me, so let me stand up. Here's what I want you to do. If you're single, you're dating someone, if you live together, if you're married with someone, Read these three chapters of the Bible together. Then take communion and ask God, what does God want you to do? 
Some of you are single and you hate being single right now and maybe you need a word from the Lord just to encourage you in this season. Some of you are dating people and you're sleeping together and you're not living God's way. It's not about beating you on the standards of God. It's about drawing you closer to Jesus. And if you draw closer to Jesus, many of those other things will just fall off. If you develop a fire and a passion on the inside here, some of that other stuff, you're just like, why wouldn't I obey God? I've, I've so noticed, church, that if I hang around certain people, if they're living for Jesus, it's just so obvious that I would. But if you hang out with drug addicts, how many know it's just obvious you would be a drug addict? Right? Because you think the same. Right? If you hang out with a bunch of Democrats all the time, you almost think Republicans are weird, right? But if you're a Republican, vice versa, right? And so often we're spending so much time listening from the world's culture, but the world's culture's ship is broken. It's got holes in it. It's devastated. None of their marriages barely work. They're not happy in them. Even if they last to the end, it's, it's, it's often ugly. Let's, let's focus on Jesus and allow His love to change our hearts. I don't want to just give you relation tips. I want to literally say, God, would you, would you help every single person and mend the ship of their life? Listen, let me, let me give you this life assignment. Luke 22, 23, 24. I challenge every man in here this week, take your wife, Friday night, Sunday night, have a bit of time with her, read the scripture together, ask her, what do you get out of this? And then just pray with each other that love and forgiveness would be a massive part of your relationship. You might be living together with a person right now and just read this together and just say, what does this look like for us now? Do we need to get married? Let me say that again. Do we need to get married? Because, listen, church, some of us have accepted Jesus, but we li- we're, culturally, we're embracing everything the world does. Yeah. Hear me now. You, I, I, I bump into people, and they just got engaged, and I'm like, hey, man, when are you getting married? And they're like, we're getting married in three years. And you're like, wait, why? Oh, because we want the day to be perfect. But how long do you want to dishonor God for? We're, we're in, it, it's two years from now because I want the day to be perfect. Trust me, it's more important. The years are better than the day. Come on, give the Lord a hand on that one. My wife and I were married in Australia civilly because if I came to America... Without us being married, there would have been a longer time I couldn't work. And so we got married civilly and with some friends. And it was very small. And Miriam, she really didn't want to do it. She was like, babe, this is going to take away from the day and all this kind of stuff. And then three months later, we were married and had the bigger party and so forth. And we did it so that it would bless our world. And, and so many people are saying, Jesus, bless my marriage or bless me living together. And God has to say, hey, fix the boat, fix the hole. So ask me, what do I need to do? And it might be like, okay, so go get married. And then if you really want a big party in two years, when you can afford it, have one. But let me also challenge this thought. Like, I know a wedding costs about 30 grand, but so does a deposit for a house. And it's like, do I want a big day to impress all my friends, but all your friends are broke? Because they did the exact same thing you did, right? And, 
And so you don't have a house, but you had a good party. We're we're, we're thinking like the world. But the woman is like, don't mess with my day. Don't mess with my party. Have an amazing day. Have a pretty, have a beautiful. You know, you know, you know who should spend $40,000 on a day or $50,000 or $60,000 or $70,000? Those who have it. Like it shouldn't, I met, a, I met someone one day and, 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 I, and I was like, how did you get in $90,000 credit card debt? Like that's a lot, right? I mean, hopefully you're not above that, okay? If you are, you're amazing at debt. I was like, because when do you get to 50 grand and go, let's add another 40? Because they were 50 grand and then they had to have the huge party and their wedding cost them $40,000. And then you're $90,000 in credit card debt. And you have to go bankrupt. And these are the things sometimes we're doing and choosing as, as people because everyone else is having an amazing party. If you're dating someone in here, read Luke chapter 22, 23, 24 with them. Say, what does it look like for us to date in a God-honoring way? Because the holes in your boat will sink your boat. But if you'll admit it and bring it to God and then start patching them up, good things are going to happen in your world. Coming all across this place, would you bow your head with me? Would you close your eyes? Father, I thank you for every man in here, every woman, every family represented. I thank you for their lives. I thank you, God, that you have a plan for them, and it's good. I thank you, God, that you're speaking to people. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to guide them even this week as they would uh, take steps to get closer to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would heal some of the brokenness in hearts, in, in lives, in marriages, in homes. I pray you would heal people of broken areas in their life, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed. All across this place, I want to invite you today to invite Jesus into your heart. Some of you are here today and your first time. Some of you are here, you've been here for months, but you've never given your heart to Jesus. You've maybe even said yes to Him, but have you given Him your heart? Have you said, God, be the boss? God be the Lord. I need forgiveness. I need the gift of everlasting life. I trust you for it today. So all across this place, my heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my very best friend. All across this place, my heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you meant business with God, would you quickly let me know by raising your hand? One, two, three. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Those in the front there, others of you in the back there. That's awesome. Raise your hand. Raise it up high, long enough so I can see it. Thank you so much. That girl in the back there and those in the back. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. You can put your hand down. Father, I thank you for every hand right now. I thank you for every heart right now. In the awesome name of Jesus, bless your people now. Come on, Church Alive, can we put our hands together for the Word of God? Can we put our hands together for those people that raise their hand? If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.